It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. the Rutgers rant. I am Steve Politi from NJ Advanced Media, joined as always by Keith Sargent, James Cratch. Fellas, I was thinking about this as we get started this week. I don't know if Rutgers beating Purdue was the biggest Big Ten win in Rutgers history. I know there's only nine of them, so you don't have a long list to pick from. But certainly for me, it's got to be the most surprising. And I don't know how you felt about this, but you know, when this game was at halftime, Rutgers is down 10, Purdue's moving the ball at will. I mean, th- I thought there was no chance that they were going to be, that this was going to be a competitive game in the second half, much less a game that Rutgers would win. And instead, what you saw was just an incredible job of coaching on offense, a defense that made, you know, just a few few of the big plays uh, that you needed. And Rutgers imposing its will. That is something that this program, Cratch, has not done in years. A physical, it just completely took over the game physically. I, I wrote in the film review, and I mean this in the best way possible. It's kind of still hard for me to believe that Rutgers won that game. Just because the way the, the game was going in the first half, you know, the way the defense kind of suddenly buttoned everything down, made big plays. You know, it helped, obviously, they didn't have to play much in the fourth quarter. I also think the offense Rutgers ran with Johnny Langan in the second half. That's something that, if you look at on paper, shouldn't work as well as it did for as long as it did. You know, it was right. a very limited kind of basic offense. They kept imposing their will. Purdue could not stop it. So this is an incredible win. I don't know if it's as important as beating Michigan, just because of the, the moment and the fact Michigan's helmet looks a little bit different, a little sexier uh, through the ages than Purdue's does, and, and Michigan is Michigan. This is a tremendous achievement, by far the biggest achievement of Greg Schiano 2.0. Right, and, and Sarge, when you think about, I think about the games at the end of a couple of years ago, where Michigan State had the ball for like 40 minutes and Rutgers ran like 32 offensive plays. And, you know, and that second half was kind of the same way. I didn't realize this until, until I think Greg Shannon said it, but Purdue had three plays in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's, that's incredible. That, that just speaks to, you know, an offense that just, just as we mentioned, Johnny Langan getting the ball up the middle, up the middle, just continuing to, to dominate that way. Yeah, it reminded me, actually, I was trying to think of games that it reminded me from the, the previous uh, Shiano era. It reminded me of the Vanderbilt game back in 2004 where wow you're going deep now Rutgers wasn't wasn't great that year you know they ended up you know they might have actually gone to a bowl game if it wasn't for for that car accident you know for 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 a major injury but the Vanderbilt game they were losing that game Jay Cutler was a Vanderbilt quarterback it was on the road and they ended up winning 37-34 kind of reminded me of that game um you know a year where uh you know it might have been a little bit like one year before they really had a breakthrough you're right I mean completely uh surprised the way they were able to do it too the, the way 
they were, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but the way they were able to adapt on the fly, pass off to, to, to Sean Gleason, you know, I wrote about the offense a week ago. It, it's really amazing, uh, you know, how they've been able to transform it. Right. All right. I thought we just, this game is worth addressing a little more. I thought we'd each pick one single person player who you thought was most responsible for, for this or an unsung hero. I'm going to go straight in with Gleason. Sorry, you've been there having kids. <laughs> and I realized it's his third kid. So it's a little different than your first or your second kid. His wife gives birth at 10.30 p.m. on Friday night. I was not a functional human being in that situation for at least 72 hours. I mean, like I could barely like, change a diaper. Forget, I mean, like, I could barely hold the camera up to take a picture of my newborn, much less the idea you're going to get on the plane, fly to West Lafayette, Indiana. I know he, I know he flies, a, you know, it's a private jet, but still, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not an easy trip to get to Purdue to coach this game. And I coach it, but then, you know, when you're running on adrenaline, you're down 10 points, you, you don't have your starting quarterback, you know, to come up with something that, that works, you know, by far, I think that that is, you know, this guy, if he's not in the running for assistant coach of the year, coordinator of the year in Big Ten, you certainly, you certainly have to put him in there now. Cratch, who do you got? Give me one person who sticks out in that game that was you if you're watching the film, you said, Wow. It's one play for me, and it's a play that I, I wrote about in the film where I just didn't miss, you know, in, in the flow of the game on Saturday. That Avery Young stop where he had that screen tackle for a three-yard loss, that was, I think, really a critical moment in the game, just because you know, I think it was 34-30 at that point. Purdue is on the move. You know, they get the long kickoff return, they have the big play from Plummer to Bell. And it just seemed when they got that, when they blew up that screen, which is something that Purdue had a lot of success with earlier in the game. It just took the air out of the, you know, their whole offense got knocked out of rhythm. Two incomplete passes. They have to punt. Obviously, Rutgers has the long drive, kicks the field goal. I thought that was really kind of a pivotal moment in the game. But also, Mohamed Ture, uh, just a tremendous yeah. play by them when they really desperately needed something to go their way. If he doesn't make that play and Purdue scores, or, you know, even if Avery Young doesn't make those that play, so I guess all two of them, I think it's a completely different game, and Purdue maybe comes back and wins. And both of those are also coaching adjustments at halftime as well, I would think at least, certainly to sniff out the screen, as you mentioned, and Shannon even talked about how that was a, that was a defensive adjustment by Rob Smith. Sarge, who do you got for us? Yeah, I think you guys are both missing the, the, the most obvious one and the, and the only right answer. Art Sikowski, I mean, Sikowski is a guy who literally had, had no, you know, no idea he was going to start up until, you know, kickoff, comes in, completes his first five passes, you know, eight of his first ten, two touchdowns uh, by the end of the first quarter. I mean, just, you know, calm. You know, I know, you know, the you know, the end of the game, you know, they, they leaned on Johnny Langan, that, that, you know, the Johnny Langan package, but they're not even in that position, you know, if it's not for Sikowski, the way he played and, you know, was calm and, you know, he, unsung hero. I mean, you know, he was the hero of that game. You know what I love about Sikowski too? His reaction to Johnny Langan getting that first down late that iced that yeah. game. I mean, you know, this this is a kid who clearly redshirted last year, could have tra- could have transferred out, really stayed, bought into it, and cer- certainly from the outside looks like a, a team first guy. Let, let, let's go right to that quarterbacks now. Obviously, Shannon made no qualms about it, that if Noah Vedrill is healthy, he will start against uh, Penn State this weekend. I think that's the right decision. The way, that, the way he played against Michigan, we can't forget this offense throwing for 370 yards, complete command of it. Otherwise, what's your gut tell you though, Cratch? I mean, is, is he going to play? And if he doesn't, is what this offense did against Purdue sustainable another week when, when it's on film now and they've seen it and Penn State's got more athletes on defense? My gut is it's, it's got to be 50-50. I mean, you figure if it was right up to kickoff against Purdue, God forbid, you know, unless something, Vedral does something to re-aggravate his issue, he's going to be closer to play. I, I don't know if it's sustainable. You're going to continue to use both both Art and Johnny if Federal cannot play, but I don't know if you could necessarily get away with 
basically laying and playing the entire second half and just running the ball up the middle every time. I, I think Penn State is going to take that away from you. Penn State, we'll discuss them later, obviously very poor season. They are, I think, second in the Big Ten in pass defense. So, you know, they're not as strong in the run game. But I, I do think that if Federal does not play on Saturday again, you're going to have to see more art in the second half. I, I don't think you can kind of lean on Langan so much. And I also think that at some point, there's a sense of predictability in that offense with, with Johnny. I think that's why the, the touchdown pass to Cameron Adams is so critical. They had to make teams respect the pass just a little bit, and now that's on film. But I think that Vedral, I would say, is probably 50-50. If he doesn't play, I think you're going to need more of Art than you did against Purdue. And that, you know, that, and that concerns me, and I know you said nice things about him. I, I agree with you totally, Sarge, especially in the second half where he's telegraphing his throws. When, yep. you know, when, you know, there are a couple of moments in that game where you're like, oh, you know, that that could have been picked off. You know, I get it. Certainly the throws to, uh, you know, Shameen early in, in, in the game, that just a beautiful touchdown pass. You, Cratch, you said in the film review, the only guy on the team who can make that throw. Sarge, I mean, what do you, what do you think if it, is, if it does have to be Sikowski again, how does it change this, this offense against the defense that, you know, I'm sure is more talented on paper at least? Yeah, I, the, the more interesting thing I think was, you know, him really not utilizing Bo Melton. Bo Melton was a guy who clearly had a had a pretty big uh, chemistry with, with Noah Vedral. Had kind of moved into the upper ech- echelon of, of Big Ten wide receivers, and you know he was almost invisible this past week. In order to to have you know sustained success, I mean Sikowski's going to have to you know find that same type of chemistry. I, I I don't think there's any any doubt about that. The other guy in the offense who who you know, I don't really have the answer for, you know, why, why he's been, uh, you know, hasn't been utilized is Isaiah Pacheco. You know, he's a guy yeah. who, who, you know, we thought, you know, week one, I think he had 21 touches and, you know, his touches have gone down. His production has gone down as well. I mean, part of it could, you know, just be, you know, the fact that, you know, he hasn't really produced when he, you know, at, you know, consistently. But, you know, those two guys, you know, I, I still think are, are, are their two best uh, offensive, uh, you know, players so uh, I mean I think they're going to have to get the ball more right and the fact that they won they won a game scored 37 points without either one of them having a big impact does speak to uh does speak to a crazy game uh Cratch really quick on the defense in that game you know again at halftime you were thinking that you know they that Purdue was just going to just run up and down the down the field uh, did you leave it feeling better about it missed tackles giving up big plays I mean what you know what was your takeaway from what you saw overall defensively No, I didn't leave it feeling better. I mean, I think, look, the defense stepped up in the second half. Uh, They did shut down the run. You know, Xander Horvath looked like Brian Leonard out there, you know, in the first half. He did. You know, a tremendous game from him. No, I mean, I think that the big key for Rutgers was that they had three defensive plays in the fourth quarter. You know, Johnny Langan was the best defense Rutgers had on Saturday. You know, but – I, look, the tackling is poor, and I, I, I got to call it. We, I ragged on Chris Ash and his staff for poor tackling. It hasn't gotten much better, you know, so far under this, you know, Shiano and Smith and their staff. Now, look, I think obviously the lack of a training camp probably has contributed to that some, but still, you have to tackle better. And I think that you saw Purdue do some things with a mobile quarterback. Obviously, Illinois has done that as well. You saw Purdue do some things in space with screens, with quick hitting plays that Penn State and Maryland and whoever the Champions Week opponent is, they've now got some new angles to kind of expose. And I think the other issue too is that Rutgers defensive line is slowing down a little bit. I think it's because there's not a lot of depth there. I think that a guy like Julius Turner, I've seen a couple weeks now, offensive lines are almost using his quickness against him. Yeah. 
allowing him to get upfield and then kind of ushering him out of the way. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the linebackers, the fog and Fatakasi have been great, but they're still kind of looking for a consistent answer at that third spot. I mean, I think the biggest thing, if you're a Rutgers fan, is Young, uh, Melton, Brandon White all went down, all came back in the game. But if they lose one or two of those guys, they are in deep trouble because the depth is just not there in the second. Right. I was stunned. I was stunned that White was back as quickly as he was. I mean, it looked like he got shot. He was in severe pain. It looked like it was a wrist injury and something that doesn't, I mean, then, then he's back in the game. That, that, that was uh, uh, sort of an incredible turn there. All right, let's dive into true false. We're going to really uh, do a good preview on Penn State later, of course, because I'm sure that's what everyone's focused on. But as you know, the rules here of true false, I'll hit you with a statement. You tell me true or false, and then we'll discuss it later. All right, ready, guys? True or false? Joshua Youngblood will be the team's biggest impact addition in 2021. Cratch, true or false? False. Ooh. Sarge? I mean, Kansas State, uh, true. three touchdowns? True. All right? True. We yeah. like that. We'll come back and talk to him because that was a big piece of news that kind of flew in under the radar this week. True or false? Ten-point spread. That is way too high for Penn State. Cratch. True. True. Yeah. I mean, I, Sarge, you said three at first. I thought it'd be six and a half, ten. I was, I was surprised by that, too. All right. Yep. True or false? Fourth and three from the 50. Shiano was right to go for it at the end of the first half. Cratch? True. Ooh. Right. Yes, I, I saw that in the film review. I, I saw that in the film review, too. I, I, yeah, I, I thought I that was a big false. Right, we'll come yeah. back to that because that's such an interesting point. Right. True or false, clock management is an issue now for Rutgers. Cratch? Uh, true. Sarge? Uh, false. I agree with you, Sarge. It, it was certainly it seemed like an issue at the end of the first half, but the end of the game was pretty good. We should talk about that. All right, true or false, a six-win Ohio State team would not belong in the national playoff. Cratch? Uh, it's really kind of tough to say because I don't know what the, you know, obviously what the rest of the country looks like. Right. I'm going to say false. Okay, Sarge? Yeah, false. False. I agree with false, but they might not get six at this rate if Michigan can't play them either. All right, true or false, the pinstripe ball cancellation seals the deal. No bowl for Rutgers. Cratch, true or false? False. False. Sarge? False as well. All right. Interesting. Here's another one. If not for COVID, we'd be looking at a bowl trip right now. In other words, if they had played that original schedule, they would be bowl eligible right now. Cratch. Ah, false. Okay. Sarge? False. Be close, though. Those three non-conference games look like wins right now. They're based on the first team. Yep. All right. True or false? The men's basketball team looks better than you even expected. Cratch. Uh, True. Sarge? True. Yeah. I mean, it's not good competition, but it's been pretty good. All right. And finally, true or false? This quietly was the best weekend for Rutgers in the Big Ten ever. Cratch. True or false? False. Just because you had two national champions in wrestling. Yeah, you had two Big Ten champions. You know, I would say that still's up there. This is a close second, though. Sarge, you you agree? Yeah, I'll agree with what Cratch said. Yeah, the competition wasn't good. I mean, it's nice to tell. Five wins in a weekend, you know, 3-0. Women's basketball team won one. I mean, that, that was still a, uh, a nice night. Sarah Baumgartner tweeted that out. And I was like, yeah, that's a good observation from Sarah, someone we haven't seen it recently because we're not allowed to go anywhere. Okay, uh, let's go back and review this. So fourth and three, Cratch. Uh, I just hated it. I hated the decision. Got the best punter in the Big Ten. You're at midfield. They had all the momentum. I knew they were going to score the minute they didn't get it. And the play call was crap, too. Other than that, so yeah. here's my thing. Like you deferred the toss. I'm a big fan of the you know the, the Patriots the double up score. So at that point, okay, fourth and three, you got some time left in the second half. You score here, you get the ball back, you start the second half, you score there. You've got a really good chance to win the game. My issue, and I wrote about this to me, is Rutgers has this tendency this year to take like a bold decision and pair it with the most conservative approach ever. Yeah. 
That's a good you know, point. It's all, and my thing is, if you're going to go for it on fourth and three from the 50, you've got to trust Art to throw the ball past the sticks and not turn it over. You know, I think it kind of gets back to, it's almost like a reverse of what happened in the Illinois game where you had a not-so-bold not you know, approach decision to keep kind of moving the ball closer to field goal range, but you paired it with let's let the guy who's turned the ball over twice and been reckless throw the ball. It, it's just kind of a weird thing where I, I think sometimes – they they want they want to be kind of bold and go for it and be aggressive, but they don't want to they want to mitigate their risk of disaster. And I think that was the big issue there. If they run if they go foot on fourth and three there, and they've got a pass play that develops you know five six yards down the field, totally different story. That's true. Sarge, you want to chime in on that one? Yeah, I just I, I marvel at the fact that you know for for two years, I mean, we almost had like a hashtag created for the surrender punt, the Chris Ash surrender punt, is the opposite approach, and we're we're you know, yeah, but I, I just think that <laughs> these you know, coaches watched, can't win. No, but I mean, I you know, this is just football, you know, one hundred and one. I mean, it's got to punt there and and you know, play for the second half at that point. All right, the other things, clock management, and I thought it was shaky at the end of the first half, certainly. At the end of the game, though, I, I mean, once they got that first down, I, I had not done the math in my head. It was they, they ran out those final two minutes pretty impressively. I mean, what what were your thoughts on the, on the clock management, Cratch? No, I thought at the end of the game, it was tremendous. Uh, the reason why I said true was just because, I've again, past few kind of games – Rutgers sometimes seems to get in these positions where they're, they're almost like they're going slow, they're going slow, and then they decide, hey, let's speed it up. You know, it just seems like sometimes right. they try to go on and off on a drive when you get down to the end of the first half, you know, especially when are we going to score or are we just going to take this into halftime. But I thought they were tremendous with the lead on Saturday, obviously, and, and running that offense with Langan. Yeah. Right. Okay, a couple more things. Pinstripe bowl cancellation doesn't seal it for me. What is it? What's left? The uh... – the Duke's Mayo Bowl, Charlotte, North Carolina. What, what are the other options? So there's five. I believe there's five games left. I think it's the, yeah. the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, uh, the Music City Bowl in Nashville, okay. uh, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Phoenix, Outback mm. Bowl in Tampa, Citrus Bowl in uh, Orlando, and obviously the Big Ten champion, which yeah. might be Indiana, will be guaranteed a spot in the New Year's Six. So, right, right. Well, I think there's look. The Rutgers is going to be very much in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten, I think. So I still think it's a long shot just because as long as everyone wants to go to a bowl game like a normal year, which I'm skeptical about, obviously you have to think Ohio State, Northwestern, Indiana, Iowa, um, Wisconsin, all ahead of Rutgers. Now Rutgers could be the next team up, although even, even like a Michigan is probably ahead of Rutgers at this point. So I think that's the thing. But I also think there's a question of smaller schools, you know, decide not to take their bowl trips. Now all of a sudden all these bowls have open spots. You know, I think the biggest question I asked someone and they said, no, is who's going to pay for the testing once you get to a bowl game? Yeah. Is it Big Ten is the school, is it the bowl? Because it's just when you don't, you're not getting the practices and, you know, the Rutgers is going to play its last regular season game, you know, COVID willing on December 19th. Do you want to keep all those guys bubbled up past Christmas to go to Charlotte, North Carolina to play Wake Forest? I don't know about that. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, all right, what, anything else we have to talk about? Oh, Joshua Youngblood. What an addition this was. Kid from Kansas State. Uh, another blazing speed. One at, one week after Aaron Krushank uh, re- returned 100 yards, bringing another gunner. I like the fact he, that, that, that Shannon's still uh, looking for players like that. I got to throw one, uh, one shout out 
to, to Todd Ricanto, who had a great feature on another kid in this recruiting class. If you haven't read it yet, go Google the name, uh, Shaquan Loyal. Uh, it was just a really nice feature about a kid from Newark who everyone thinks is an Alabama-level talent. So I thought that was good. Um, anything we want to add on that one, fellas? Yeah, I mean, Youngblood just – I mean, I, I watched that film. And he just looks dynamic. I mean, it kind of reminds me of Greg Shiano early in his first tenure. You know, he would do anything for speed, for guys right. who were fast. And you watch that film and, you know, you know a Florida kid who, who just – you know, just his eye-popping speed, and and you yep. clearly see where where he wants to go with this. Um, I think he would sacrifice size for speed. You know, at a lot of the positions. Right, reminds me of another Florida kid, Tim Brown. Right, wasn't he the yeah. speedster size? Yep. <laughs> that would be a get a yep. kid like that. That would be certainly really good. All right, let's dive into some uh, Rutgers insider questions. Uh, again, we you know we love when you win now because all of a sudden we get a lot of subscriptions to nj.com backslash insider, uh, and uh, appreciate all of your questions as always. Uh, it, it keeps this show going. And this was a good, good place to start because I think if people want to know what's going to have to happen here, you know, what is the winning game plan? for the Penn State game. Defense, I would think, has to stop the run and force whoever the quarterback is to beating your passing. Uh, can't let Penn State establish a run game. If they do, I don't think we can win. Cratch, I think it goes back to big plays as well. I mean, what, what would you say that they have to do to, to beat Penn State? You know, I think Rutgers has to. I think Rutgers has to establish the run. Because as I mentioned earlier, Penn State is pretty good against the pass. They're kind of bottom, you know, middle of the pack toward the bottom against the run. I think you got to protect the football. That's key. I mean, I think you know, Penn State is minus eight in turnover differential this year. Right. I think it's wow. the worst in the Big Ten. Yeah. So, Rutgers. Uh, is minus one, I think. Obviously, they're kind of still living on, on, on the success of that seven-takeaway game against Michigan State. But, man, like, they really have to protect the football. They've got to get away from Penn State. And, look, I, I think the biggest thing is – I know Pete Thamel uh, wrote this in, in a column at Yahoo over the weekend. You know, an assistant coach told him, every, ga- every week's like a bowl game now. It's just who wants to be there. Yeah. You know, I, I think Rutgers has to show up and want to be there. And I, I don't really question that, that Shiano and his staff are going to have this team ready. I mean, this is a monumental opportunity for Rutgers. I don't care what the records are. I don't care about the fact that it's during a pandemic. If you beat Penn State, that is a moment that will be bigger than Purdue, Michigan State, anything. Of course. You know, if you beat Penn State by next Friday, there will probably be a photo of you celebrating on the field slapped up in the lobby of the Hale Center. You know, that's a moment that, you know, that people are going to be digging up on YouTube 40 years from now. So I think that's – you, you have to show up and be ready. And I think the fact that – obviously, I'm sure there was some kind of hesitation, but no real trick plays against Purdue. I'm intrigued to see if Sean Gleason goes out there, no matter who the quarterback is, yep. and just throws everything out there. Because this is a moment for Rutgers to kind of establish itself. You know, I thought that fourth and one where Michigan, you know, scored the touchdown. I remember sitting in the stands thinking to myself, if they hold here, that's the moment where Rutgers becomes a big 10 member uh, officially. And I tend to think that they obviously that didn't happen. If you beat Penn state, that's the moment when you officially become a big 10 member. And I think that, you know, obviously people are still going to make jokes about you, but you've kind of established yourself that, Hey, you know, Rutgers is here to be a contender, to be competitive in this league. And this is a great transition to a question from, from Kevin Fine, a, a, a friend, not of a podcast, but a friend period. I think I can say that. Okay, fine. Uh, is this game, is this week's game against Penn state, the most important Rutgers football game in 40 years? 
I say it is. And he made a great case. I asked him, what are you talking about? Uh, I don't know if it's that important, but I do, Sarge, I did love today in Shannon's press conference when he was talking about remembering the 1988 win and how he was, he was the GA the next year who had to put together the film role. And the theme of the season was, you know, beat state in 88 because they beat Penn State and Michigan State that year. Uh, it certainly, you know, it, it is the kind of transformational victory if they can get it. Yeah, and we t- kind of talked about it before. I mentioned the 2004 season, 2005, 2006. All those ga- years were littered with those type types of wins, and you're just waiting. I didn't think it would be you know, year one, to be honest with you. I didn't think we, we'd be talking you know, year one about you know, a transformative type type victory, but here we are. I mean, you know, I, I, Kratz is right. You know, the Purdue game – uh, I'm, I'm looking at, my, you know, the, 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 the fan base is, is completely and rightfully so excited, but it would be nothing like, you know, what it will be like if they win this game. It'd be huge for recruiting. Remember, guys, I mean, recruiting is only, you know, signing day is only, you know, three weeks away. So, yeah. I mean, can you imagine what that will be like? Um, you know, I, I'd have to look into the argument that Kevin Fine make, makes 40 years is an awfully long time. You're, 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 you know, forgetting a lot of, uh, you know, big, big, big games and, you know, in the first uh, Shiano era as well. Um, but, you know, years you might. Look, <laughs> at some point we, we, we I, I talk about this all the time. They're 28 and two uh, Penn State's 28 and two all time against Rutgers. Yikes. You know, we remember the 88 game. You crash is going to write about the 1918 game. Rutgers is, has never lost to Penn State in the middle of a pandemic. I'm stealing his line, but, um, you know, <laughs> but we're talking about the two, two times that they beat them. Yeah. It's been a long time. So, right. you know, to get that monkey off their back to be able to, you know, finally beat, you know, maybe, you know, as Greg Shiano say, uh, said today, maybe they can establish a rivalry. I mean, you know, it would be huge. The Dr. Fauci of 1918 talking about wearing masks before that big matchup back then. All right. Uh, another good question about this a question, regardless of what happened on Saturday, does James Franklin get offered and accept the Texas job this winter? That's fascinating at many levels because that means that former Rutgers coach Chris Ash will be unemployed as well. I didn't realize that that was a thing, Cratch. Is that a thing? James Franklin of Texas, or is it just because it's Texas, it's a thing for everybody? Well, I think there's, there's a couple issues there. One, I think there, I, I read, I think Bruce Feldman wrote this, that Chris Del Conte, the Texas AD, who, who didn't hire Tom Herman, apparently is a, is known to be a big fan of James Franklin. Oh. And I think it comes back to this. And I've said this before. I kind of feel like James Franklin, even before this season, the, the recruiting class isn't very good. They, they kind of had their moment where they could have beat Ohio State, you know, uh, after, you know, kind of Urban and Ryan Day really got it going and they didn't. You, you kind of feel like James Franklin has hit his ceiling at Penn State. But there's really nowhere to go. There are very few places to go that you can say are definitively a better job than Penn State. What about the NFL, though? Right? Yeah, but, you know, I, th- I feel like his NFL moment has passed. And the thing about James Franklin, too, is he's never been thought of as, like, an X's and O's genius. Right. Like uh, Kingsbury or Ryan Day or, you know. So I just kind of think, okay, I've always thought, like, Auburn would be the place, like, if Auburn finally runs Gus Malls on out of town, that would be a job where James Franklin can go to Auburn and say with a straight face, this is a better job than Penn State, even if it's a lateral move. Texas, and, Texas is a better job than Penn State. Yeah. And if they can't get Urban Meyer, which is who they're going to want to get, obviously, I think James Franklin might be their best option. So I could see it happening. 
That would be something else if Franklin and Harbaugh were gone well, in the well, same well, year. See, see uh, you, you asked a question about Chris Ash and like Cratch, who, you know, I, I'm looking at my text messages over last week. I mean, I think we should open up the forum to, uh, floor for for Cratch to, you know, talk about the, 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 the idea that, you know, Chris Ash might be looking for work. Cratch? Cratch. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be consulting. For Delevy's reaction, aren't you? Sorry. That's all, that's all you're doing at this I point. I am. Okay. All right. That's good. As long as we know what our audience is. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Cratch. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, but, well, here's the thing. If Urban takes the Texas job, Ash is probably staying in Texas. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's the best defensive coordinator in America, according to Urban. So right. yep. we'll see about that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I I'll, I'll like, take a ten dollar bet on that one too on the side. Ten, you know, but you know, to what you just said a second ago, Steve, you know, if Harbaugh and I almost feel like and this is gonna be a crazy take, if you're a Rutgers fan, you would rather Harbaugh and Franklin stay put. Because, uh, no, no, be, no, that's not really, really you roll, roll a dice. They, they get someone who, I mean, Franklin can recruit that. football Okay. All right. Well, maybe not so much Franklin, but like, do you really want Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell now at Michigan yeah. and men's state? All right. well, that's a good, no. you know, I mean, compelling, that's a compelling counterpoint. I'll give you that. That's the uh, thing, you know, like that's what you're going to have. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons why, I mean, Texas might make a move, you know, because they're going to get the best guy on the market this year, no matter what. Could be. I will say this then, and this, and this is a, 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 a little off topic, but the last few weeks, if it's ever been more evident, just how terrible a football coach Chris Ash was these last few games, I am sorry. And, and the other point that goes right, another good segue into yeah, a question. Well, well, yeah, I got to say, uh, yeah, someone actually pointed out to me that, you know, the whole notion that, you know, Graciano was winning with all these, you know, gr- uh, transfers that came in. Noah Vedral didn't play. So this was all of the, the of offense was, was yes. all of Chris Ash player, players. Every single right? one of them. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. You know, the, the guys who, who this coaching staff has made better. They put, you know, are are Sikowski, you know, in, in positions that, to to succeed? They, you know, they they, you know, Shamine Jones, you know, looks like, you know, a, you know, a a you know, all Big Ten level type wide receiver. I mean, amazing. It, it is well, absolutely amazing what, say, what they've done with with Chris Ashley's players. It is very obvious that wide receiver was just a coaching problem. Yeah, I, you're, you're coaching, coaching and quarterback problem. I mean, Can we yes, say quarterback like, too? You know, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest indictment, and I, I think, Steve, I looked ahead to our, our notes. I think this is a texture question. I think the biggest indictment of the entire Chris Ash era is the fact that Jay Butler has these guys looking I, totally drastically true. different. And there were three months where there was a pandemic and he wasn't, he was like sending the kids some protein bars and some rubber bands and just showing incredible. how to do something over Zoom. I, I just don't understand it because look, I, I, there's a reason why Jay Butler is Shiano's right hand man and the reason why they're paying him more than they pay the strength coach in Oklahoma and Georgia. But I can't imagine, I'm sure there's some proprietary training techniques, but for the most part, Western civilization has established how you lift weights <laughs> and run, you know, and. What and were they- doing that's great it's such a, i mean he talked a good game to kenny parker what was going on i don't understand and, it and i think he was at ohio it. state with with a guy you know of course who's a great a renowned strength coach so it's not like you know that's what like i i just i almost wonder if, if it's just a culture thing maybe that simple be as it. that because i you know, i'm sure kenny parker he went right back to ohio state i you know i i talked to nfl players who speak very highly of him he knew what he was doing but 
why did it not translate is just I know. It all one of the great the mysteries I'm, of this whole thing. Yeah, I'm convinced it just all goes back to the top. It, and, and that 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 can't be just had someone who was not a head coach being trying to be a head coach. I, I just have to assume. And speaking of that, this is a good question. Another transition here. Rutgers had somehow beaten Illinois and Michigan. Would Greg Schiano be front runner for Big Ten Coach of the Year? I, I don't think he needed to get both of them. I mean, you could still, I guess you have to say Patch Fitzgerald. Who, who's, who's the big, who's currently? Tom Allen. Tom Allen's, yeah, Tom Allen. Yeah. Give me your, give me your top five then. Top five? Uh, Tom Allen, one. Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Probably yeah. Fitzgerald and then Greg. All right, so Greg, if Greg goes four and four it'll be in these games, does that change it? If he's 500 in, in the regular part of the season. You can make an argument that he'd be up there at number yeah. two. And Tom Allen could go in the other that could go in the other direction without without Michael Penix Jr. Right? I mean that that's yeah. I would say it's it's a clear top three of Tom Allen, uh, Fitz. Although Fitz won it two years ago, so he probably wouldn't get it again. So Tom Allen, Fitz, uh, Greg. I think definitely the clear top three. I'm um, just working my way down that. I mean, Mike Loxley has has a chance. You know, yeah, Maryland could kind of win four or five games all of a sudden. Play the Rutgers. finale between Rutgers and Maryland could decide, could help decide this, this exactly. award. And, you know, Kirk Ferentz, obviously, all the controversy they had in the offseason, uh, I thought they were going to be one of those teams that just tanks, given all the strife they had. And they were 0-2, and that thing was on the verge of falling apart. They've won four straight now. You know, they're, they're get, I think they may have climbed into the AP Top 25 this week. I, I'm not sure if they're at the bottom or they got votes. I haven't really had a chance to glance at it yet. But, no, I, I think that, you know, but it's definitely a clear top three. Greg is definitely in the top three. I think there's an argument that he's won. Right. All right. Look, I try to get a couple more. There's so many on this list. I'm sorry I can't get all of them. Uh, Rick from South Carolina wants to know what's up with the second quarter. Sarge, you asked uh, Shiano about that specifically today. I don't know if, to, if you did it to answer Rick in South Carolina. Well, you did. All right. So then let's give Rick his answer here. This is, this is really... I, I find these types of things fascinating. I mean, I remember asking Chris asked a question about slow starts. I think it was like 14 games in a row where they did not score on their yeah. opening drive. And now they've solved, you know, Greg Shiano and Sean Gleason have solved that, that, that problem. But, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, the second quarter is kind of baffling. It's 81, I think, to 29. They've been outscored um, 16-0 against Purdue. And, yeah. and Greg Shiano, to his credit, said yes. You know, it's uh, it's a great question. So, Rick, great question. And, uh, you know, he doesn't really have the answer. They're studying it. But, you know, it, it, he, he, you know, Greg Shiano talks about it all the time. He hates, the, like, the, the term halftime adjustments. What, you know, what, what did you talk about? Because, he, as he says, you're constantly adjusting. So, you know, could it be that, you know, they have, you know, a ton of energy to start, and then all of a sudden he gets in, into it, he becomes, you know, levels out a little bit. Uh, he needs to, uh, you know, light the fire a little bit more, maybe. But, you know, certainly it's going to be something that he's going to try to fix. <laughs> This is another Chris Ash segue. I just, we got we got distracted here, guys. But you remember we would have press the press conferences with Chris Ash, where we would like we'd be trying to come up with something to ask other than why do you suck so bad? Like so, the the, uh, the opposite question for Chris Ash might have been, uh, Chris, you know, in the second quarter so far in these five games, you've only been outscored by by fifty three points, which is better than every other quarter. What are you doing successfully in that quarter that you're not that you're not seeing? I mean, we, every we would try to come up with questions for these press conferences. With Jay Neiman, too, the, the defensive oh, cool. Oh, my God. That was just it, torture. We were, oh. we were at a loss for that. I'll never forget, like, uh, I think it was the last Andy Boo press conference because we mercifully ended and stopped doing those. <laughs> Where I asked him about tackling, he's like, we're getting better. And I was like, well, Andy, it's like October 20th. Like, how much better? Is there any better to achieve? Um, 
man, it's been a year. It has been now. a year, I know. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you know, I was like, thinking I, about I, it. Just... This is this is the day, Sarge. You went to bed. You went to bed yeah. on this night. And you got the text at what, like one in the morning? I had just gotten out of, out of Cratchit's car. We, we we made the drive. Yeah. And I was at the Woodbridge Center. Um, um, you know, I pulled off into it and, and, and texted it out to our subscribers, tweeted it out. And yeah, it was absolutely. That's right. You were still working. I was It was like 12, 12 that. That's right. My car yeah. was freezing. I was yeah. freezing. It was so cold cold because the car wasn't warm i just wanted to get home and you know yeah. i the computer wasn't even working at that point it just was yeah you know, but i woke up in the morning and i, I just, 432 text messages i'm like uh-oh i just yep. remember like it, it, driving home because obviously we we kind of it was uh sarge uh brian fonseca and i we, we carpooled i you know I, I drove the the big rental truck to uh penn state we we dropped our cars off at the office in Woodbridge. Just remember driving home, just like relieved, it was finally over. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, Sarge, there were like three times before that moment where people who should know yeah. told us Greg has been hired, and he wasn't hired. So uh, that was a crazy. I, I was kind of reminiscing, you know, getting ready for the podcast. Um, the, when they played NJIT at that game, where like they had like the extra security and people thought there was gonna be a oh my riot. god everything uh the crazy rumors that flew around that week i i will say this and you made a good point i'm not going to call anyone out but there are some people on my twitter feed oh were, were, who were you know and, and they're they're dying to wood uh wool uh Rutgers fans but they were uh, took the opposite approach that uh, said that shiana was overrated and yep. you know that that you know you don't need to back the truck for this guy and move on and now they are completely have done a complete 180. They, you know, is you know the greatest coach, and you know I I will say I'm not going to call anyone out, but there are a couple people on my Twitter feed. I mean I, I don't know about you, Cratch. Oh, I mean they, they, people people said worse. <laughs> yeah, out there. I mean I'll never forget when I walked into the rack, um, or I was on a concourse or something that that NJIT game where there was the the, the half a protest outside and everything. There was a fan who came up to me who was like, Greg sucks. We don't need him. Blah, blah, blah. And in the day of the press conference, I'm watching, like, the look at the photos and the videos. Obviously, we were all up sequestered in the, in the team room waiting for the arrival. And that guy was literally at the front of the line of the fans, the welcoming party, screaming and cheering and got a selfie from Greg. Oh, boy. Just the, 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 the flip-flop, flip-flop of, the, of that week. Uh, was mayhem. I love it. It was funny, and I was thinking about this. is This is a great thing. Like, as we're getting together, of course, the you know the pandemic has sort of ruined Thanksgiving. I had a very nice, since oh, I had yeah. a very nice Thanksgiving, but yeah. I was thinking about like what was I doing last year? And I'm like, oh, that's right. This is what I was doing. This the consumed Thanksgiving. I mean, I it was looking at my my phone for texts as I'm like dishing out the stuffing to my in-laws last yeah. Thanksgiving. Brutal. It's just amazing how that thing, that story, just took over. And half the half of it, and we're getting way off base, but half of it was just just getting questions from people who wanted us like what are you hearing that was like that was 90 percent of the text at that point it was it was just a wild wild few days all right let's dive into the penn state preview guys and i got this is great i got a, the last Rutgers insider question wasn't a question it's another this is steve p another steve p writes in to say hot stuff you picked the win almost with the exact score time to razz cratch and keith a little 
There you go. I figured we were going down since you were the only beat reporter to predict an RU win. Well, how about that? I got one right for a change. Homer, it has not Homer been a good what? mere picking. Homer, say what? And Homer said, exactly. Yes, in case you did. Yeah, right. I, Homer, Homer Politi got, got this one to improve to two and four, I think, against the spread this year. Uh, who's going to be the Homer this week? Penn State, 10-point favorites. Haven't beaten them since 88 and before that since 18. Cratch, <laughs> you want to go first? Since uh, I know yeah. who you're picking. It's, it's going to happen. It's, yeah. it's, it's, go, it's going to happen. Woo. I think this is, uh, is going to be – it's kind of weird because obviously there's not going to be anyone there and everything. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, battle. but like, this is going to be uh, not the biggest win in school history by far, uh, but it's going to be one of the more cathartic ones. I think one of the more joyful ones. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's just hard for me to believe given everything that's going on, given the state of the season, given the fight this team has shown that, you know, Greg talks about how like, you know, it's a one, this is a one game season. This is the season. Yeah. So I will say Rutgers. I, I think it's going to be a lot lower scoring than we expect. I will say Rutgers 26, Penn State 25. Wow. Weird game, crazy game. Rutgers wins. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got a moment they can kind of immortalize. Sarge, you go in the same direction. What's your pick? Completely agree. I think Rutgers is going to win this game. Wow. Um, I think I might have said it two weeks ago, too. Um, I. 24-21 Rutgers. I agree. I don't think it's going to be you know a uh, you know a huge scoring game, um, but I think Rutgers is going to win the game. Wow. All right. I, I hate to be going the other direction this week. I'm just not quite there. And again, it was, was just watching that Michigan game, and you just recognize how much talent those they have. I'm still a little concerned with the Rutgers defense. You know, wish the quarterback situation was more settled. You know, I. It, Look, they're just ahead of schedule no matter what you do. The fact that we're even talking about this is is a great testament to where it's going. I think it's going to be something like 28 uh, to 20 Penn State victory. But we'll, we'll have a low-scoring game, and it'll be a fun game, certainly. So uh, so that's good. All right, what else we got to talk about? Basketball? Want to dive in a little bit? A great Rutgers? start for Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, great how, how start. You, I mean, you lose Gio Baker, and they still – I mean, Obviously, <laughs> Gio notwithstanding, of course. Right. I mean, they still 3-0. Uh, the thing I'm worried about from the basketball standpoint is you're 3-0 and you're not playing again until December 8th. I don't understand why they wouldn't try to get a game in this week. Well, the, uh, yeah, I, I'm fired up for the – aren't they playing Seton Hall this week? I know Seton yeah. Hall was looking for a game. Wow. I, I, I stopped uh, – like, Seton Hall was looking for a game this week. I don't know if they got one, Cratch. I mean – Yeah, they're, they're going they're gonna to play Oregon and Omaha <laughs> because they couldn't get Texas Tech and Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Like, that didn't work out for them. And then I think, oh, about Cratch's te- you know. tweet about this today. Ooh. Oh, this is great because this is good background, folks. If you don't understand, like Cratch, you know, he's not one of those people who stirs it up on social media. So before he sends out this tweet to, to needle to needle the pen, to see no fans, he, he sends it to us to to Sarge and I, as if one of us. Are gonna stand no, Cratch, show some restraint here. Of course, yeah. <laughs> when have we ever of been? Of course, we want you. To, to, to nope. I, of course we're going to say, sure, Kratz, send that tweet out. The we're going like, to stop you? I, I, the only thing I was 
he's proud of it, but he didn't take it for himself. You know, like, you know, he, it was, come on. Like, of course. I should have just cut and pasted it into my Twitter feed. So his, his tweet was, was you, they're playing, they're rather playing, uh, where was it? Chesnia? Chesnia, yeah. Chesnia. You, that's a good one. That's a good, che- <laughs> that Tino would rather play in Chechnya than play, to, than like, play yeah. C- the Rutgers. That was a good, yeah, they I got could... a lot of mean tweets back at you for that. Yeah, all, all 19 Seton Hall fans in my mentions. Um, <laughs> Coming at you. No, I was going to say, yeah, it's, I guess they couldn't get a game in Vietnam or something. So, yeah, they're just going to. Yeah. But, I mean, but all, all kidding aside, like, and I, I'll be like, oh, they, they, Will would say he's holding his date January, February. It's like, brother, we're not going to get to January or February at this rate. Uh, you know? And if yeah. we do, you're going to have so many conference games postponed that there's going to be no wiggle room. You've got to play the game now. And I just don't understand why – and look, I know they're flying pri- – like why crisscross the country during a pandemic right. when you can just have Rutgers oh. get on the bus and drive up? It makes no sense. To a hotspot, no less. To a hotspot. makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. You know, it, it just it, – it boggles the mind. Right. So, and, I, and I get it. The fans are saying, well, we're not we're, – look, we're not ducking them. We're playing these teams. Well – there's a different definitions of the word duck. Like you, you, you clearly do not want to play Rutgers. I'm not saying you don't want to play them because you think they're too good for whatever the reason might be. If you want to play the game, you play the game, right? Exactly. I mean, you don't have to really do anything to play the game. You literally have to call and say, Hey, let's play the game in two days. Boom. Right. Michael said after, after the game yesterday, they, they're looking for a game. So it's, Yeah. I, I will say this though: if, if if Rutgers cannot get Seton Hall, um, they should call Iona because Rick P in the rack would be very enjoyable. That'd be fun, absolutely. I see that Mike Bray was looking for a game since since Mike someone pointed out that Mike yeah. Bray who tried to cancel the entire Rutgers program at one point that would be a good that'd be a fun one to a little rematch there. Sure, bring 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 Notre Dame to to the rack. Um, overall, though, I mean, sorry, you've seen a lot of Rutgers basketball teams. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the freshmen. I think that, you know, so far, just Ron Harper Jr. looks like he's an all Big Ten type player. Yeah. Uh, and it, for me, it, it comes down to Young and his ability to to get to the basket. And he, he's so far, he looks like he's doing that in, in, in spades. So what do you think? Yeah, he. I mean, you mentioned that Young is going to be the type of guy. I think, you know, as of now, their next game would be Syracuse, right? And Syracuse, right. What, what are they known for? You know, the, the zone. Mm-hmm. They're going to need a guy to pierce the zone, and you know, Young is going to be the guy. You know, he's going to be the X factor in that game for sure. Uh, but you know, the Geo Baker injury, you know, you know, the fact that they've been able to win those games, you know, without him, really just speaks to the depth of the program. Kind of what uh, Steve Peichel has been building toward, and that, now here we're at that. You know, this program, you know, isn't about you know, Geo Baker is the start of the program. His 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 number will be retired someday. It'll be up in the rafters, but. You know they can they can survive without him. Yeah. Another culture thing, Cratch. The fact that Geo Baker is there at the rack, he seems like he's coaching from the sidelines. He's he's giving Pomo K, you know, tips. I mean, you can see it on TV that he's he's involved in every one of these huddles. You know that speaks to that speaks to that team's cohesiveness too. No, I mean I think Sarge hit the nail on the head. I mean Geo Baker is a Rutgers icon. You know, still playing in front of us at right. this point, and you know I, I obviously hope he gets back as soon as he can. I will say, you remember last year he broke the thumb, and I think it was only three games. Obviously, there was you know more time in between then. You know, he he got back quickly. So you know, although it seemed like he maybe came back a little bit too quick. So my guess is that Rutgers will keep that in mind. But no, definitely. I mean I think it's it's a he's a he's a big asset for them whether he's on the court or not. 
Okay. All right, guys, let's do it. I appreciate uh, everyone's everyone sending in questions. Thanks again. This is going to be a fun week. Rutgers, Penn State. We'll be back next Monday to talk about what Cratch and Sarge believe is a transformational victory. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then.